While he listen to some random Picking bars and stanzas Ripping mics, etc Go against the wall You gotta know he Tony Danza That's B-Rob He the boss MC God Give you what you want every week With some deep dive Revise everything you know about this podcast We're trying to take over the world with this podcast We're hitting your ears every week with the monsoon We're broadcasting the SoundCloud to iTunes The Twitch screams say random What you gonna do? The Twitch screams say random What you gonna do? Subscribe Like Share Listen to the Random Ramblers with Rob podcast. If you're listening right now, you're welcome. What up, everybody? This is your boy, B-Rob, and I'm back with another edition of the Random Ramblers with Rob podcast. What up, everybody? This is your boy, B-Rob, and I am back with another edition of the Random Ramblers with Rob podcast. First and foremost, I'd like to thank you, the listener, for coming back each and every week or however you listen to podcasts. If you're a first time listener, I appreciate you all oh so much for giving my show a try. And if anybody recommended you to me, take your social media app of choice and send them a well-crafted DM to thank you. Don't, no, don't thank you. I, I thank you. But you thank them for recommending you to me. And uh, speaking of social media, you can find the Random Rams with Rob on various social media platforms to include Twitter, Instagram and Facebook. And I would normally give you the user handle, which escaped me because I hear little pitter-patters of feet running around back in my hallway. And I think my child going to bust in here. But Twitter at 3R Show, Instagram at The 3R Show, Facebook, you know, search the Random Rounds with Rob and YouTube search for 3R Show. And for anything that I may have forgotten or missed, you can find on randomrob.com. Now, joining me, as per usual, I have a guest, one of many um, of this show that I've come across called the Triple C Podcast. What the C stand for, you wonder. Um, what I was about to do the, um, the Rick Ross shit. I forget what it was called. <laughs> but um, uh, Culture. Oh, no, it's Comics Culture and Cosplay. There you go. That's the three C's. I, I, I almost said them out of order, but I would have got them all correct. But when you search it on your freaking podcast platforms or whatever, you want to have the correct title. So I had to make sure that I said it correctly. But joining me, one of the many ghosts. That's a ghost. Woo. I'm stumbling all over the goddamn place. Then I got video proof of me fucking up. I ain't cutting none of this shit out. Kiss my ass. But joining me from the Triple C podcast, the comic, culture, and cosplay podcast, Josh Winchester. How are you, sir? Rob, I'm doing good, man. I just want to say, first off, thank you for having me on the show. Uh, longtime fan, so to be able to get to do this with you is a kind of a trip and a half for me, honestly. But I really appreciate you giving me the gift of your time. And shout out to all your listeners, everyone who's been a loyal uh, random Rob fan for years. Y'all are awesome. Keep this man in business. Uh, see, I appreciate that. I appreciate you, sir, for also giving me your time and uh, joining me on this fine evening. I know we talked about some weather concerns earlier. It was raining and all kind of other crap. And it was a little bit of the same here. And we sounded like my parents right now. Because every time my mother called me, which as we record, April 28th, 
is my mother's 78th birthday. Oh, wow. Happy birthday to her. So I talked to her this morning when I went to work and she was like, oh, thank you for telling me happy birthday. How's the weather? <laughs> and that's, how, that's how her, her go to. How's the weather? <laughs> but you have been podcasting coming up on two years now. Your anniversary coming up there, homeboy. Yeah, t- uh, two years this July, which I still can't believe that it's going to be two years um, since we started this back in 2018, because I'll be perfectly honest, I didn't think that we would ever get this far. Mm-hmm. I didn't even think that we would make it to what was our 90th episode yesterday on the 27th, let alone to everything else we've done so far. So each day, it's another step, another thing. And I'm like, how the hell are we still doing this? Like, I'm, I'm waiting for the other shoe to drop or Carrot Top, or carrot top to jump out and kick me in the balls at some point. It, 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 damn, is Carrot Top doing that lately? He's generally running around kicking people in the balls? <laughs> I don't know, but I just remember that being a thing for so many years, so I keep expecting it to happen to me at some point. Oh, um, I don't, I, I don't know if it was Carrot Top or not, but there, there was an old series of videos. I guess it was a guy dressed like a clown or something. Oh, God. And he would run around just uh, kicking people in the balls. Do you remember this? <sighs> Sadly, yes. I, yeah. I want to try to forget that. That shit was awesome, man. He had like a whole series of videos of just him running around kicking random people in the nuts. Oh, God, man. You're making me feel older than I need to today, dude. Like, Jesus. I think the best one it w- uh, the best one he had, I think it was the guys. They were either out in the park playing catch football or they was playing basketball. And it was a wide mm. shot. It was like a long park or field or something. You just see him running in the background his freaking afro wig blowing in the wind and he the guy just turned around and fwow, full stride in the nuts so I, was, I loved it god i i yeah i remember that one i watched that a lot when i was uh still in college because you'd have days where it's like you have nothing to do uh nothing going on outside on the quad you've got all your classes done all your shit out, shit out of the way and there's nothing else to you know, do so. You just go onto YouTube and you search random funny shit. And I remember laughing so hard at that one the first time I refound it. So the college experience for you, you actually went on campus or how did that work out for you? Uh, I did actually. Um, uh, my college experience was that I ended up going to three different colleges over the span of a four or five year period before I got my degree. So my uh, freshman year and half my sophomore year was spent uh, campus living, you know, dorm all the way from home and everything. I was all the way down in southern Indiana mm-hmm. with no car, I might like to add, because my brother was still in high school. We shared a car. Sweet. He needed the car. So I had to either get rides from my folks or beg rides off my other friends, my few friends that uh, were at the same school as me. So that was not a fun experience being without a car. But no. the ca- the campus life was a bit of a blast. Yeah, because I, um, I, I didn't go to college. I, I went to the military after high school. And, you know, looking back at it and knowing people that have been to college, it wasn't too much different for me in um, the earlier phases and whatnot, because we lived in a barracks, you know, which is pretty right. much a, a, a dormitory for college students. And we'd just be all in there just hanging out, jumping off the balcony. I mean, uh, just as much as any college kid would do, I imagine. <laughs> Yeah, I, I mean, I can't really speak to one much balcony jumping jumping for me, but there was lots of other stuff, which I'm sure you can find obvious parallels uh, during military, which, uh, by the way, thank you for your service, sir. All right. Mad respect. That was, that was the very first salute in uh, 3R show history. So, I mean, then we have we have a video to document this uh, <laughs> memorable occasion. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> no, but anyway, like, I mean, if you think about it, there are a lot of parallels between military life and college life. Um, you know, like, like you said, you had the barracks and everything. I had to deal with an RA. You had to deal with your with your sergeant and everything or whoever uh, yeah. was your uh, CO at that point during training and afterwards. You have to deal with a strictly regimented set of rules, meal times and whatnot, and figuring out what the heck are you going to do if you're in the middle of nowhere for fun. Yeah. So what do you what do you have? You have, you know, thank God we live in the age of, the, of streaming services and stuff, oh, yeah. you know. So I mean, I had my stream I had streaming services, I had books, I had all these other little things, but you know, and then you then there's the things that you take for granted and you're like, "Dang, I'm never going to take this for granted again." Yeah. I mean, uh enlighten me a little bit, man. You seem to be a, a little bit in the know as far as a uh, military goes. I mean, you got somebody in the family that do that or uh, mo- mo- uh yeah. Uh, my grandfather, Jerry Westfall, who passed away uh, last year before his 85th birthday, was in the service. He was stationed in uh, Hanau, Germany in the late 50s and the early 60s. It was during peacetime, of course, for yeah, a little yeah. bit, but he was uh, there in Germany when the wall went up, actually, when the Berlin Wall went up. So he was in the service there. Uh, he got out of the service and spent 27 years as an airline pilot with United Airlines. So in the 27 years that he did that, uh, your parents or your grandparents or whoever listens to and watches your show may have, if they were traveling through Chicago or through O'Hare, there's a 99.9% chance that Captain Jerry Westfall was flying the friendly skies with them. Word, that's fucking amazing. Yeah, he was a I miss him a lot. I mean, you know, it's literally been a year since he passed away the, this June. So uh, I'm not trying to get, you know, all maudlin or yeah. whatever, but he he was a huge part of my life because he lives only 40. He, he and uh, uh, my grandma, my oma, they live only 45 minutes from where I am. So you can imagine that I spent a lot of time with them growing up birthdays, oh, Christmases, yeah. sleepaways with at their house, all that stuff. So I have a lot of good memories They're They're there, but it's still very you know, bitter taste in my mouth knowing that he's gone. Condolences, my friend. Bless you, brother. All right. But on a lighter note. Uh, yes. Lighter things, please. Yes. Yes. Uh, away from a, a freaking beer bong chugging and jumping off the third deck of barracks into bushes and whatnot. <laughs> um, podcasting. Yeah. Like you yeah. said, you started the show um, two years ago, coming up on two years ago, pretty soon. Mm-hmm. Um, what was the motivation? And, you know, I listened to your latest episode. I mean, there's four of you in that motherfucker, but mm-hmm. you only started with two, I believe. And I don't think the guy that started with you is still there. Uh, no, that was my uh, that was my boy, Jimmy Fresh. Uh, sadly, he uh, does not do the, sh- the show with us anymore. And I'll fill the information bucket bucket as uh, quickly as I can, not letting it drag on. So uh, my back my background is in uh radio broadcasting. I finished up my college experience with a bachelor's of the arts from Columbia College Chicago in radio broadcasting. Um, Got my first job right out of school uh, working at a small station in Evanston. Led me to where I'm at these days working with uh, up in Elk Grove. And so a few like it was maybe I've been wanting to do something like the podcast for a while Mm -hmm. and then uh, Jim, whose desk is uh, right next to me and everything, he and I are pretty geeky people, and so we would, uh, you know, spend sometimes spend our lunches talking about geeky things and whatnot. And then Steve Ditko passed away, the co-creator of Spider-Man and Doctor Strange yeah. and uh, so many other wonderful characters 
over the years, whether working at Marvel or when he worked at uh, Charlton back in the 60s doing the question, Blue Beetle and all this other amazing stuff. Or uh, if you're familiar with uh, any of your listeners are familiar with uh, Ayn Rand and uh, Randyism philosophy after he broke from mainstream, he did a lot more of that. So when he passed away, it was like there was this devastating hole because, you know, this was one of the holy trinity of Marvel. Stan Lee was still alive at that point. Uh, Jack Kirby had been dead since 1994, and now we lost Steve Ditko. And I was just like, I want to do something to talk about this, but not only to talk about the the loss of Steve Ditko, but also to talk about geeky things. Yeah, because I'm a I'm a true blue fanboy, man. I speak Klingon. I've been to shows what? since I was in high school. Like all of this shit. So so hold 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 hold. You speak Klingon. I I know it came from from uh, Star Trek and everything. I yeah. know the show been in syndication for many years, many different versions yeah. and whatnot. But how did we derive a full on language from these uh, series of shows? Is just did somebody you know? Is this a third party thing or did that come from the show proper? Uh, it came from the show proper. I forget the exact sequence of events that led to it happening, but. A Klingon to English dictionary was published at some point back Whoa. during the 1980s or 1990s, I believe. Hold on. Hold on and you can still readily buy it from booksellers. I remember I got a copy for, uh, from, my, from my birthday right years ago. And yeah, it's an honest to gosh thing. It's a legitimate language like uh, like Sidarin and uh, Quenya from uh, Tolkien's Lord of the Rings and Elvish and all these other things. You know, it's a fictional language, but it's. It's as much a language as English is, or any Afri- or Af- any African dialect, or uh, French, or German, or Russian. So you can learn it and speak it and write in it just the same as anything we have here in the actual world. Holy shit! Yeah, English to Klingon translation. I got the I got a website for this shit. <laughs> yeah, man, it's it's oh. out there. I mean, hey, we live long and prosper. We Trekkies are in everything oh, now, shit. man. I'm, I'm typing in some shit right now. Just see what I'm saying. <laughs> I mean, if you want, I can uh, I can drop a little Klingon uh, right here on the show for uh, everybody. Well, hold on, hold on. Okay, so I I have my little thing here. I think this is the white right uh, translator thing, but I have a phrase here, and I want to see how close it sounds to what you're going to tell me. So all I put in was, "Hello, everyone." Hmm. Um. Hello, everyone. And I'd spend a, I'm a little rusty since I actually had to do this. Oh, don't be but, talking uh, all that razzmatazz like, oh, I'm fluent in Klingon and now you can't remember okay. shit. Yeah, I, I can do it, man. <laughs> I've just been a little while. So <clears throat> you have to remember, you have to prefacing. Klingon is a very throaty dialect oh, the yes. way German is. So mm-hmm. if it comes out a little harsh over the microphones, it's the same way as if you were talking on the phone to somebody in yeah. German. Yeah, I'm going to turn, turn my levels down a little bit. <laughs> Go ahead. All right, then. So. Hello, everyone in Klingon, if memory serves. Huh. That don't look like how it sounds, but I can't even. It's, I don't think there's a word uh, like, like if I press it, it don't say it. Let's see. That's the problem. It's, um, I don't think translators for Google have that. And it's been a while, like I said, so I could be doing something. What you're looking at versus what I have yeah, in I'm my Klingon dictionary is different. Yeah, I'm probably way off anyway. Then I can't read it, well, so I probably read it wrong as I as I heard it. But anyway, I mean, you were that much of a fan of the show to where you was like, I have to learn this shit. Well, yeah, I mean, in the same way that people who have been diehard, you know, Tolkien and Lord of the Rings fans for, you know, God knows how many years want to learn Elvish and all the other languages from Middle Earth. I figured, why the hell not? Plus, 
it's fun when you go to conventions was, and you mm-hmm. meet other Trekkies. You can start conversing in Klingon, and everyone's like, "What the hell are they saying?" And you know, we can be talking shit about them or poking fun at the non-Trekkies and everything, or just it's like having your own secret language. Yeah. So has that ever played into your favor? Have you ever had any backhanded conversations about somebody in their presence in Klingon or something? Uh, sadly, not yet. It's a thing. I've seen it, but. I've never had it happen to me personally, unfortunately. But hey, I mean, you know, fingers crossed it could happen at some point. So I'm going to just keep hoping that someday the situation happens where I actually get to conversate with fellow Trekkies in Klingon. <laughs> Very well. But to go back to your um, show and everything, I think um, right. the the triple C, because that's how it helped me remember it and everything. Right. Um, that's what you first introduced the show as on episode one so i mm-hmm. mean what kind of made you to trail it out and kind of go you didn't go away from it but it was just more of a it's comics culture and a cosplay cosplay um well i mean yeah we started doing geeky stuff and everything mostly going to different websites like newsarama bleeding cool comic book resources and all that and also going to places like the new york times or the atlantic or anywhere that might have a staff writer who covers pop culture related things and you know we did that and stuff and it's always been a good time but then we as the show kept going and uh, Jimmy Fresh he was no longer to keep doing the show with us and then I brought in my boy Kevin McLaughlin who I actually did a radio show with similar to the podcast back in college at Columbia called the college, the Comic Boys. Mm-hmm. And that was uh, long story short that was for class credit but it was still you know we were on the air every Wednesday on WCRX 88.1 FM for an hour just talking about nerd stuff. Yeah. So I brought Kevin on to fill the to fill the gap where Jimmy had been and he was with me for a while and we just kept expanding the purview on our own Mm -hmm. but then when kevin left because he was no longer able to make the drive out to the studio where we were recording on the weekends and thankfully uh bless my bless him for being one of my dearest friends in the world he did not drop this on me out of the clear blue like that he told me in advance like i'm not going to be able to do this after this day so that gave me time to put the feelers out and that's and I, I brought Mari and Kevin on yeah. through after a very vigorous auditioning process. Actually, ironically enough, uh, you put a apparently if you just put a post out on like the Chicago subreddit, hey, looking for podcast uh, partners, you get a lot of responses from people. So when it came down to them, I couldn't choose. So I was like, screw it, I want both of you. <laughs> and so I brought that brought in a new balance of voices. And then when we realized it was just getting way too costly to drive all the way up to the studio and everything, especially for Mari and Kevin coming from Chicago, we decided to redo it where we are now, where we all we all look uh, hook up through Discord and record using uh, Open Broadcast Studio or OBS and using our uh, uh, our gaming headsets. And I edit everything from here. But then we also brought in my brother Zach, yeah, who has if, if if you 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 listen to our most recent episode kevin was not able to join us he wasn't feeling very very good he was just mm-hmm. and it's not COVID. thankfully it was just a little bit of stress from overwork and everything yeah yeah you know so we were like dude take a break you know it's not going to kill you to miss one to miss being a part of one episode mm-hmm. and it's fun you know and we we talk about a lot of different things um yeah. we talk about comics we don't just talk about comics and um cosplay and stuff like that we talk about everything we talk about sci-fi mm-hmm. anime manga movies tv shows video games we do interviews with um 
creators and celebrities, especially mm-hmm. when we're uh, very fortunate to be approved for press passes at conventions. Yeah. Uh, for example, we were at C2E2 2020, which unfortunately uh, may have, if things are progressing as they are, will be one of the few conventions that happens this year. Mm-hmm. And we were very fortunate to get a lot of really great content there as well. And we're just going to keep going, man, doing what we're doing until somebody says, hey, knock it off, or until we decide to branch off and to do other projects. Yeah. Because I listened to that first episode or whatever, and um, Ant Man and Wasp oh, just came out. So, oh yeah, man, yeah, yeah. Did the, uh, the dive on that and everything, and it was just like, <laughs> it was kind of, it was kind of like I was listening from the future and shit, right? Because you know that that was back in 2018. It already happened, and um, that movie just came out. And to hear y'all talk about it and just like not knowing what's gonna come after that, it was just like, oh man, it's just like I was. In the uh, freaking end game or something, I had the little freaking pin particles, and I was going back to tell, "Hey, man, this is what's gonna happen." So <laughs> it was just a, a cool uh, blast from the past and everything. And then y'all had a couple of interviews on there as well, right? Uh, yeah, we did. Um, first episode, we had Gene Ha, who is um, long long time member of the comic book uh, industry, uh, artist, uh, writer. Uh, actually, he's a local guy here in Illinois. He's a Berwyn boy, so if anybody out there has ever watched Sven Gulli, they keep hearing Berwyn. Uh, that's a little shout-out there. And we also had my, honestly, one of my oldest friends in the whole world, uh, cosplayer and internet personality, Tay Ray. Mm-hmm. She was on there to talk about, at that point, because she was going to be at that year's San Diego Comic-Con, as a uh, booth model and representative of the uh, Tentacle Kitty Company, which uh, they make the most adorable little things in the world. They're these little plush kitties with uh, tentacles and everything. So you're thinking at first it's like really weird, you know, like an octopus cat, but they are adorable, man. What's what's this website? I must look this up as well. (laughs) uh, Tentacle Kitty. Okay, so it's just, all right, Tentacle Kitty. Yeah, and uh, they were uh, our first guests on that very first episode, and we had Gene on very specifically because he's been in the industry at that point. He had been in the industry as a professional for over 25 years, and we brought him on specifically to talk about the impact that Steve Ditko had had on him as an artist because every artist in the industry develops their own unique style and their own unique artistic background. But they definitely get inspired by the comics they read growing up as kids. So whether it was an artist like Jack Kirby or John Romita Sr. or John Buscema or uh, Walter and uh, Louise Simonson or Frank Miller or Steve Ditko or whomever, they all in their own way leave a little impression on the, new, on the next generation of artists. Same thing with uh, the next generation that's going to come in the next 30 years. They're going to be inspired by artists that we have currently like Babs yeah. Tarr and Amanda Connor and Andy Kubert and John Romita Jr. and, all, and uh, uh, Mitch Jarrods and Doc Shaner and all the wonderful people that are out there in the industry currently. And these little tentacle kitties are fucking cute. <laughs> I told you, man. I told you they are as cute as hell. I want to get one for the kid, but we got do it, man. We got do it. Get a tentacle kitty. Yeah, we got this a uh, plushy policy here. Oh, I mean, she's oh. she's a nine year old with allergies. So I mean, you know, a lot of those plush they they hold in a lot of dirt and dander and all kind of stuff. Oh, so, God, I mean, yeah. it's horrible on the allergies. But for some reason, my wife. She bitch and complain like, oh, she got too many goddamn plushies and shit. I was like, well, let's stop buying them. And then, you know, it's a hard, 
hustle with a nine-year-old because we go to the walmart uh-huh. or some shit like that and be like uh can we go look at the toys and i already know what the fuck she want to look at and then we go over there she's like um can i can i get this plushie i was like well you know how your allergies is we can't be getting plushies and shit and then i had to set a hard rule of like when you get money like if the kids get money they, they can spend it on whatever they want but we had a rule is like you cannot buy plushies with your money if somebody Dang. if I buy it, or if your mother buy it, that's okay. But you cannot personally go buy any plushies because you would spend all the money on goddamn plushies. <laughs> so that's how bad it was getting. Then it was to the point to where she had so many that my wife was secretly throwing them away and shit. And I was just like, what's the fucking point of us spending goddamn money if you're going to throw the shits away? So that's what made me really angry. And then I see all kind of cool shit that I want to give to my nine-year-old daughter, and I can't give it to her because I know it's eventually going to wind up in the goddamn trash somewhere. I say, like, so I ain't going to waste my goddamn money to get the shit thrown away. So that's the internal struggle with goddamn plushies in this household. And then my yeah. wife, once again, my wife again bitching and moaning about the shit. And then I go to work, I come home, and my daughter got a new plushie. I was like, how the fuck she get this? <laughs> she's like she uh, had some money she bought it I was like what the fuck are we were just talking about you ain't gonna do shit but throw it away like, hey, that's on her she already knows what's gonna happen like, oh Jesus well I mean you know if you can't get a tentacle kitty for your, uh, for your nine year old maybe get a tentacle kitty for yourself you know a little something to hang out with you while you're recording the shows and everything man uh, maybe maybe I, I like the um, the sugar skull looking one here oh man sugar skull is awesome yeah and then see I, I have my own personal plushie because I, I watch <laughs> professional wrestling. And um, over there in New Japan, uh, there's a, a wrestler who comes to the ring with a plush stuffed cat. And I, sh- oh. and I showed this to my nine-year-old. And she fell in love with it. Because they had a whole story arc built around this little plushy cat in, in uh, New Japan. So it was a dude named uh, Hiromu Takahashi. And he Ooh. brought this little black and white uh, stuffed cat called Daryl. And... <laughs> It, it became a part of his uh, ring attire and all. And you bring the cat out and everything, the crowd go fucking crazy. So um, one uh, match, the cat got ripped in half by his opponent. <gasps> Pulled the stuffing out of it and everything. And everybody was fucking crying and shit. I mean, it's Japan. They real emotional. About oh. shit. So, you know, they kind of wrote Daryl off uh, TV. And then I found this was this how I introduced the nine-year-old to it. He, the guy made a video of Daryl getting nursed back to health. He had a whole bunch of little Barbie dolls in the surgery room, putting them back together and shit. And it was like a montage of him getting rehabbed, you know, getting his stuff and put back in, stitches and all yeah. kind of stuff. And they had like the little pixelated over his scars and shit, like it was graphic or whatever. Oh my, that is adorable. <laughs> so, um, did that and then um, he was healthy. Then he met another plushy cat and they had a little baby cat. And, <gasps> you know, he was all right. So I showed my daughter oh. I showed my daughter that video and then I wind up getting um a little mid sized plushie for me and she seen that shit and she's like Oh Daryl and she asked about him every day because I would keep him in my little drawer in the room. She's like, Can I can I tell Daryl goodnight? And then she opened the drawer, Good night, Daryl and she closed the drawer up. So I found a bigger one. Like close to the uh, replica size of the one that he carry on TV. So I got that for me right. and I gave her the little one. So, oh man! So I gave her the little one. She done loved it and hugged it, and it's all grimy and dirty. I gotta throw it in the washing machine every now and then. But I have my big <laughs> fluffy plush Daryl. Still got the price tag on it. He hang out in the drawer like the little one used to. And every mm-hmm. night she still come down in the room. She's like, "Good night, tell Big Daryl I said good night." <laughs> and she man, all right, 
That you went father of the year for that man. That's awesome. She keep trying to take him from me too. You just are like, no, oh. it's my plushie. You play with your own shit. <laughs> Dang man, that that is what's up. That's really stinking cute, dude. She yeah, she asking about him, and then I'm kind of upset too because Daryl has a cousin now. Is is another one just like him, but it's pink, and he stick oh. and his tongue hanging out. And I was like, I know if she see that shit. <laughs> It's going to be a whole nother to-do, and I'm like, fuck. <laughs> so I haven't showed it to her yet. Well, uh, uh, may there be mercy on you when that when that happens, when you introduce her to Daryl's cousin, man. Yeah, because I kind of want it too, so fuck. <laughs> it's going to come in the house eventually. <laughs> At that point, you just steer into the skid. I, I just do what I do with my wife. I just buy shit and hide it, or I don't say nothing. <laughs> Plausible deniability, right? Exactly. Because, like, I got to look around, make sure they ain't spying on me. I bought um, my homeboy. Uh, I, I was in the military with him. He got out, and um, he got his own uh, ammunition line, uh, Black Rambo Ooh. Ammo. You can look him up on Instagram at Black Rambo TV. And um, he came out with his own ammunition line. So it was only in 9 mil at the moment, and I wanted to show support. So I went um, to the gun shop that he frequent down here in Houston. And I got me a box of nine mil. And while I was in this freaking Toys R Us of guns and shit, I seen like Call of Duty weapons and all kind of gold plated shit. And I was just like, this is fucking awesome. I was like, but I got this nine mil ammo and I ain't got no nine mil pistol or nothing to shoot it with. So I get to looking around, just window shopping and browsing and everything. And then um, I seen the sign hanging over the register. It's like, we finance. And I was like, oh, I mean, I got some money on me. I mean, it wouldn't be too much. About $500. I got like three, two, three on me. And I can just finance the rest and make two payments after I get paid. And boom, I'm done. And then I talk myself into a pistol. <laughs> <laughs> so I bought the pistol. And then I came home. And I carry a service pistol, which is a Glock. I bought a 9 mil Glock. And I have a 45 Glock. Ooh. And I have another 40 cal Glock. Because it's the one that I carry, so I bought one to, of my own to practice with. So that's three Glocks in the house already, and I just brought this fourth one in there. So Dang. then she got her pistol. So there's Glock boxes all over the place. So all I did was take that extra Glock box, and I slid it under the bottom like it was always there. And I never said shit about it, and she ain't never said shit about it, so we good. <laughs> <laughs> Man, that is sneaky, dude. That's what's up. Bravo, sir. Bravo. See, it's, it's easy when you have things that uh, plenty of things that you already have. So like all them Glock boxes, you wouldn't be nothing the wiser because if you see one down there, it was like, oh, that's one of the old ones. But when I bought that goddamn drone, I've never owned a drone and I only this is the only one I have. So I had to be like, I got a drone. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I feel like with that, you can't exactly like dance around it. Plus, I would if I had bought a drone. I would brag about that. That's cool, dude. Oh, I did. I crashed it already. I had my oh. first my first crash. It was fucking it was scary and awesome at the same time. <laughs> Cuz I got the um the one you see probably all over Instagram or the one that they they mm-hmm. pushing on everybody, the Maverick Mini. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so I bought that motherfucker and I've been flying <laughs> it in the backyard. Uh, flew it over the pool around my neighborhood and all kind of crazy shit, which you can see the video footage on Instagram at the 3R show. I, I like to plug all my stuff. 
not my orifices, but my social media. Um, oh God, there's an internet <laughs> meme right there. <laughs> oh, you hold on. Yeah, dad jokes. <laughs> but um, I'm flying it in the front yard, and you know I'm new. I'm a novice. I never had one before. So when you fly it forward, you know, left and right is left and right. But when you fly it back towards yourself, it's the opposite. So I'm flying it down the middle of the street back towards me, not really paying attention. I thought I was further away from the light post than I was. That arm clipped that damn light pole. It spun 360, shot up in a tree, then it hit the ground. I was like, (gasps) no. I was no all the way until I walked up on it and seen that it was fine. I was like. That was fucking awesome. <laughs> <laughs> the only thing I regret about that, not that I crashed, I mean, this shit happens or whatever, that I didn't have the camera on the front recording when it happened because I wanted to see how that shit was. <laughs> Dude, that would have been such a good video. I know. And then like that, a guy that was just pulling up to the front of his house, getting home or whatever, and you just see this thing just <laughs> hit the ground. He's like, then he walked in the house. <laughs> Well, I feel like in this day and age, you know, dr- with the drones and everything, like you see a person flying a drone and then it crashes and it's just like, all right, crash a drone. No big deal. Go in the house, move on with your life. But, you know, when drones were becoming like a brand new thing and they were more like a toy than they were, say, now being used for the military and all these other yeah. noble, noble purposes, it was like, you know, per- person on your block has a drone. Everybody wants to come see the drone. Everybody wants to take a turn flying this thing. Or everybody wants to shoot that motherfucker. Cause, oh, look, he's going to spy on us. He's uh, invading my privacy. <laughs> I mean, I can understand that kind of reaction, like being upset if you're going to like, because you know, there, there is that potential. Mm-hmm. And I've, I haven't heard of it personally because I'm not a big drone nut. I think they're awesome, but I'm sure there are many stories of people playing perverted peep and Tom on, and whatnot. So what do you do? You get out your shotgun. Oh, yeah. Hunting season, y'all. Shit, the goddamn the birds be chasing my shit. <laughs> they got like some, some mockingbirds around here or whatever. And when I fly it up around this tree, whatever, they come out and start flying around it and shit. I'm like, oh, fuck, I gotta come back. <laughs> See, it's the drone today. Next thing you know, you're gonna have a situation like out of that Hitchcock movie, The Birds, where you're stuck in a phone booth with seagulls trying to peck your face off. Where the fuck I'm gonna find a phone booth? Tell me this. <laughs> <laughs> If anything, it'd be um, the little, the the freaking, the breezeway area in Walmart where you get the shopping carts from. I'll be stuck in there. <laughs> Damn. I feel like, now nah, that's probably not worse than a phone booth. That's actually probably a lot better than a phone booth. Yeah. Because I can go in there and close that little cage on the end and be like, ha, ah, bitches. And then somebody walk in through the automatic doors and they all come flying and peck the shit out of me. <laughs> yep. And his headstone will say, Ramblin' Rob, pecked to death by birds motherfucker <laughs> that's what it said yeah, yeah you gotta throw the motherfucker there at the bottom yes but um how much have you noticed the change from episode one to currently of what episode 9091 uh yeah this was uh this past uh episode uh was episode 90 so episode 91 is going to be coming out soon and i think the biggest change was not only for me personally, you know, being on the microphone and everything, because um, when I started doing that in 2018, I hadn't been on a mic since college. Mm-hmm. So I'd lost a lot of that energy and that poise and all that shit that you have when you're doing that for a while. But the biggest change that I noticed was that I became a more 
confident individual. Like I'm, a, I'm a very confident guy. I did theater when I was in middle school and high school, and a little bit in college and everything. So you know, I had confidence already from doing stuff like that. And I do cosplay as well. And you have to be really confident when yes. you do cosplay because you are going out there wearing spandex or wearing a suit of armor that you make yourself or something that you had commissioned. So you gotta have confidence when you're doing that. See, but is he the one of two things? Yeah, is he the confidence? Oh, a whole bunch of don't give a fuck. <laughs> the, I the, think for me, it's always been a little column A, a little column B. Yeah, because I've seen, um, I guess it's a blend of the two as well, as you just mentioned. <laughs> but um, some ladies be coming to these conventions and it's like, I don't give a fuck. And I'm confident at the same time because uh, I've seen ass cheeks galore. And, oh, God, and, yeah. and, it's, and it's weird because this is how I say it's the, the duality between the two confidence for going out in public and wearing that thing and to not give a fuck because there's kids there <laughs> you know oh yeah so. and i mean i admire that confidence and don't give a fuck attitude but at the same time it's like well what about when it's say you know i don't know like a bunch of guys dressed up as the spartans from 300 all they're wearing is basically a leather banana hammock and a helmet and a cape. Yeah, well, that's I mean, even that that takes even more balls, literally. Yeah, I mean, and then there's probably balls hanging. So I mean, oh, God. <laughs> but I mean, I, I mean, I don't care either way if it's male right. or female, you know, and they dress kind of skimpy or whatnot. But you know, I, I kind of look at it as if you are there with your child, you, it's safe to assume that your child is familiar with uh, ass load of these characters, and they've seen them at their worst and best and you know battle damage and fights and their outfits are torn whatever little outfits that they have so i mean they this right. probably ain't really nothing new to them but it's just like at certain points i seen the thirst traps in there to where the lady is pretty much walking around in a goddamn bikini i was like i don't know anybody that really cosplay um in the bikini any characters that just walk around in bikinis i mean there's probably some that i don't know of a lot maybe because i'm not too too into comics but yeah you just hear for celebrity i guess i'll just Picture. Right, like, like there are some costumes where, and I'm never gonna call shame on people for that, you know. Like I've been doing cosplay for a long time, and but there are some costumes where it's like they they put on, where I, like I've never seen it personally, but it's just like you hear about it, like you know, you put on like a a Batman themed swimsuit and a cape and a mask, and you say your Batgirl. I'm like, I'm sorry, you are not Batgirl. Mm -hmm. That is not Batgirl. That is you just trying to show a little skin and get a bunch of dudes to be thirsty for you. Yeah, get, that get ain't get a costume. No, I'm sorry. And then you see somebody dressed like Batgirl from, since I mentioned Babs Tar earlier, from like mm -hmm. Bab, when Babs Tar was drawing Batgirl and everything for DC, you see like one of those amazing costumes with the amount of detail worked into it and the headpiece and the cape yeah. and all the little bells and whistles. And I'm like, yes. I want to take a picture of you in that costume because that's awesome versus, I don't know, would be porn starlet over there basically in her birthday suit. Yeah. But, I, I, you know, I, I do enjoy the cheeks every day, every now and then. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's great and all, but I guess maybe my personality on this has shifted a little bit because I go to these shows as a professional now. Yeah. So I've learned to look at it from a more, I want to say mature, but then it's yeah. like I'm a grown man who still reads comic who reads comic books in his spare time. Yeah, so the maturity level is kind of low. And you're a grown man that dress up like other grown men. So I mean, <laughs> yeah, fine. 
<laughs> I try to I try to approach it with a more professional demeanor, if you if is a better way to say it than a mature demeanor. Yeah, and a couple things before um, I, I move away from the cosplay and everything. But what has right. been your favorite cosplay so far that you've done? That I that I've done. Correct. Oh, um, one that I had a lot of fun doing on a couple of occasions now over the years is the Joker. Mm-hmm from batman and it was kind of my own uh take on the character because that's kind of the point is that the joker has been around for you know 80 years now and everything so you can get away with doing that and nobody's gonna call boo because you're just embracing the 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 fun of the character i had a lot of fun doing that and uh john constantine is probably one of my other second favorite ones because i've done him on a couple of occasions uh, most recently when i was at c2e2 because for everybody who watches legends of tomorrow you see matt ryan every episode doing his brilliant performance as john constantine that's the british and, guy correct yeah uh british necromancer yeah, trench the, coat red tie yeah, blonde the, hair smokes yeah the one that they canceled his show <laughs> god do not get me started on i was so i mean so hell so you already answered my question that i was going to ask i was going to say which version you like better here's a um, keanu reeves's um okay let me put, let me put this out i love keanu's version i love that don't movie. get me wrong keanu did an amazing job but if you wanted to say that that the, that version of constantine keanu's is like the comics sadly no mm-hmm. matt ryan's is like the comics and not even with the little things like the tan trench coat and the red tie yeah. and the blonde hair and everything, or even the fact that, you know, Matt Ryan is actually, you know, British or he's a Welshman, you know, so he actually has an accent. Yeah. But it's also because Matt, Matt Ryan clearly sat down when he was doing the show and would re- and read as much of the John Constantine Hellblazer and Justice League Dark comics he could get his hands on so he could understand John's motivations, his personality, everything to be the best John Constantine he could be. And he's d- clearly he's doing a great job because you know after his show got canceled, he got picked up by the CW and here it is 2020 and he's still hanging out in the CW verse saving the world and being a cheeky devil. Yeah. Um I I really enjoyed the Keanu Reeves um movie Oh, and I did it, too. It was almost to the point to where you know the little um, the tattoos that he had on his forearms almost. Oh got, yeah, the the glyphs. I love those. Yeah, almost got them shits. <laughs> Believe me, I, if if I ever do get some ink someday, I'm for sure getting the glyphs so that when I do Constantine, I can uh, I can have that as well because my my version is I have the regular trench coat and tie, but because. I don't want to dye my hair blonde. I leave my hair my natural color and everything. Weeks. So, yeah. Wigs. <laughs> well, yeah, no. I mean, I am going to do a wig eventually, but I just haven't gotten to that point yet because wigs, you need to have styled and everything, and mm. I can't do that. So I'd have to go to one of my cosplay peeps and be like, can you help me style this thing, please? Because I don't know what the hell I'm doing. Get, get the tentacle kitty lady to make you a little knit wig. <laughs> Yeah, I could ask Tay Ray or I could, add, uh, I could ask my friend Amber. She's been doing cosplay for a long time. She has an amazing black cat from Spider-Man cosplay that her uh, – when we were when I was at C2E2, uh, her and her boyfriend Nate came dressed as a black cat and uh, a homeless Spider-Man from Into the Spider-Verse. So if uh, anything, I might, I, I'd go to her and be like, I bought this blonde wig for Constantine. Can you help me with this? To which she would probably go yes in a heartbeat because Constantine is one of her – favorite characters in the whole universe now um 
what's one that you would like to attempt that you haven't done yet? Oh, funny you should mention that. I actually was having that conversation, ironically enough, with Amber about that a couple of days ago. I want to do the Green Goblin from Spider-Man, specifically the comics, yeah, not okay. the movie version, because everybody and their cousins, brothers, whatever, does the Willem Dafoe version, which is great. Mm-hmm. But I want to do the version from the comic. So green bodysuit, scary goblin mask, that little purple, you know, yeah, dangle little, cap and everything. The, because, the nightcap. Because <laughs> that's the green goblin. When I think of the green goblin, I think of the costume that has been like his standard since the 1960s when he first appeared in Spider-Man, you know? Mm-hmm. And plus, then I have an excuse to go to my fr- to some anybody I know who has a really good Spider-Man costume and maybe somebody that has a Gwen Stacy costume so we can recreate the panels from the infamous Night That Gwen Stacy Died story arc in the 70s. Word. There's one I've never done cosplay. And, you know, it kind of interests me because um, I think, what, in 2019 was the first time I started going to conventions myself. Hey, look at you, man. And, um, you know, I've, I've been taking the kids with me. So, mm-hmm. you know, they, they really into all the different things and whatnot. They like, I had to keep my eye on the little one because the last two times we went to a convention, she popped up with two new fucking plushies. And I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> I, I almost made her go refund them shits, but I was like, eh, you got them now, you motherfucker. I, I didn't say that to her, but I was saying it under my right. breath. <laughs> but um, I only wanted to do one cosplay and it's very simple i just hadn't got around to it yet i just had to get a couple accessories because it's very simple i, I spoke mm-hmm. about new japan professional wrestling earlier um right. there's a referee called uh red shoes uno Ooh. and i want to cosplay as him <laughs> nice man so all it is is a black top black bottom similar to what i have here he got red um the little red arm sleeves and a black elbow pad and he has red shoes, hence his name, Red Shoes Uno. So, Man, that's easy, dude. So that 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 was that's gonna be my cosplay whenever we able to go out in the world and intermingle and stuff. Hey, I say go for it. And if you and if you have as much fun doing Red Shoes Uno as I can tell you clearly are gonna, I will tell you this right now. This is how I started getting into cosplay: was um, make a list of the 20 characters you love from everything doesn't matter if it's from movies from tv from video games from cartoons from comics whatever make a list of at least 20 narrow that down to your like you know look through that 20 get rid of the get rid of 10 that you don't want to do right now or you're like i could do that at some point you know doesn't matter how complicated or simple they are so you're down to 10 narrow that down to five and from those five Pick the first one you want to do and then hold on to those other four and get to them eventually. Well, and then that's how you get started. Well, shit is simple for me. I don't even have to go that far back. There's only four for me. <laughs> one, well, Dude, you're all set. Yeah, one I already told you. Red Shoes Uno. Mm-hmm. Blade. Oh, shell, The yeah. Punisher. Deadpool. That's all I got. <laughs> Man, there is – honestly – People hear those character names and it's like, man, we got too many Punishers. We got too many Deadpools. We got too many Blades. There is no such thing as too much of anything when it comes to cosplay, man, because you can take what a person's doing already and look what they're doing. Add your own spin on it. Get your own accessories. You know, I mean, you say you want to do Blade. Everybody does the Wesley Snipes Blade, which is great. 
But you know what? I have never seen anybody do Blade the way he was in the original Tomb of Dracula in the 70s with the green bodysuit and the green tinted shades and like a bandolier of wooden stakes across his chest. So, I mean, for me, I mean, I'd be... Do snipes, man. Do snipes. Do whatever you want. I'd be sticky fingers. (laughs) Oh. The one they canceled after what? A couple episodes into the first season. (laughs) Oh, my God. Yeah. On Spike TV. Yeah, oh man, I was so I was so upset Dude. about this shit. I love that thing, man. Oh, hold on, wait a minute. You get buttons. You get buttons. <laughs> That's the wrong answer. Well, well, when I say I loved it, I appreciated the performance he did. Yeah. Well, I mean, let me, let me clarify that. Yeah. Well, I tell you what, I seen a snippet of it, and I heard him talk, and I'm used to seeing him and earlier roles way before this and i don't understand how the fuck they landed on sticky fingers but in, within that snippet 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 i would say snippet fingers <laughs> in that snippet of him being blade that was the first time that i heard him speak with a clear voice because his normal voice is just like yeah i mean if you've seen yeah. um with the second friday movie he was in mm-hmm. that he was debo little brother or whatever and that's oh, how God, he talked yeah. that's how he talked normally but to hear him sound like a human being <laughs> in this blade role. I give him props for that little snippet that I saw. That was pretty good. But here we go again. We've had this conversation about Blade. And now that um your boy what what Cottonmouth from uh, Luke Cage or whatever. Um I'm Ashir Ali, right? Yeah, I, I, I was I, I apologize for getting his first name wrong, but yeah. Yeah. Uh, Alita Battle Angel, freaking, mm-hmm. uh, was that Moonlight? All those different movies, which none of them I, that I've mentioned, except for Alita Battle Angel, that I have never saw. Um, but he wanted to be Blade, and this mm-hmm. kind of upset me. But at the same time, really? I'm, I'm getting a Blade movie, which I love and I want so bad. <laughs> but at the same time, it's not Wesley Snipes. Which I adore as Wesley, I mean, as a Blade. But then I'm like, will this movie have his involvement? Is he going to be a freaking consultant? I mean, I'm like, it's it's just, ah, I want to watch it. But at the same time, because this is, this is my beef. I don't know the dude's background, uh, Ali guy. Mm I don't know if he knows martial arts. I'm pretty sure they're going to train him up and get him spun up, you know, about time it's time to shoot the movie. But mm-hmm. you had that in Wesley Snipes. He already knew the shit. I seen. I I, I noticed his prowess in Demolition Man when he was Simon Ooh, yeah. Phoenix. And I was like, I love this so much. I need to see this Wesley Snipes all the time. And then I'll go back and watch some of his older movies, Passion of 57 and all this other stuff. Because prior to that, Demolition Man and all his other action movies, all I knew this dude was from like New Jack City and Sugar Hill and Waiting to Exhale, all these drama and fucking gangster shoot a motherfucking face movies and shit you know but when i seen that he knew and did martial arts and i when i watched blade and i it was the first dvd i ever owned oh nice which i stole it but still <laughs> um and it was like the first time i looked at the behind the scenes on, on the disc and everything and i found out that they was originally gonna pick ll cool j to be blade which would have been a fuck <laughs> Oh God! Yeah, that would have been something fucking crazy too. So he has always been my blade because I didn't know about Blade until this set of movies, and then um, to know that 
I don't I just don't want the fucking shaky cam over the back because I don't really know martial arts shit with this new movie. You know, I don't want a heavily used stunt man because I can't do the kicks and the spins and all this other bullshit. You know, I don't want that. Right. That's that's what's kind of upsetting to me. But like, you know, these nowadays Mar- Marvel movies, they put time and effort into them. So, I mean, right. I'm going to still see it regardless, but I. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, no, believe me. I know I'm the exact same lay. Um, I mean, you know, I I love the Wesley Snipes movies. They are still some of my favorites to this day from the pre-MCU era of superhero movies, you know, like because Wesley Snipes, because, you know, before even before we had the Wesley Snipes movies, we had just looking at like, you know, superhero and media. We had the Lou Ferrigno Hulk show. We had the Adam West Batman show. We had Linda Carter as Wonder Woman. And then along comes in the 70s, you got Christopher Reeves as Superman. And then in 89, you got Michael Keaton as Batman. And those were great. But nobody else knew what to do. So Wesley Snipes as Blade showed that, hey, we can take these other properties and we can make movies out of them. And that's what opened the floodgates. So everybody talks about, you know, all these other movies. It's like, no, Wesley Snipes is the one that showed, hey, you can do yes. other movies. And that's why I'm I'm excited for when we eventually get an MCU Blade. Yeah. But I'm still going to go back and rewatch Wesley Snipes. No matter what. Yeah. And then I, I attribute um, the Blade franchise and the Matrix franchise for, you know, propelling cinema as far as um, visual effects and equipment forward. Oh, Be- hell yeah. Because uh, Blade came out. Um, I, I get my timelines and years wrong, so you can correct me if I'm wrong. I think Blade right. came out in what, 98 or 96? Um, I, I could be wrong. I got the phone right here. We got technology. I, yeah. I, I always get my dates wrong, but I'll, but I, I know that Blade came out a year or two before the first Matrix movie. Yeah, I remember that. So, um, yes, I, I was right. Blade came out in 98. Um, mm-hmm. and some of the things that they used in that movie as far as, um, for visual effects and, um, just the style of cinema and everything, they co-opted that when they went to make the freaking first Matrix movie. And then the Matrix added its own thing with the freaking the um the curved camera system and everything with the oh that yeah. the Wachowskis made and whatnot. So they did like the bullet time slow motion shit. And then Blade <laughs> Two came out right before the Matrix Two, and that's when uh, we started getting more blend of CGI and actual actor in the um films and whatnot. Because that was the first time they started testing some of that technology so i can tell you the specific scenes that um they started playing around with it it was in the beginning with the motorcycle shit so it was when mm-hmm, he got mm-hmm. up on the motorcycle and he jumped up and he went did the little 360 spin shoot thing down and he landed on the ground shot the dude through the chest turned to ashes that was like a <laughs> blend of cgi obviously he can't do that shit in real life and mm-hmm. his, um, it kept his face you know it made it look like it was really wesley snipes and then right. when he stuck the landing, that was actually him dropping from a certain height, and they blended the two together, and it it was just fucking amazing. And then you would oh, ha- man. then you would have that heavily in the Matrix Reloaded when Neo had the multi freaking Mister Smith fight, and he fucking <laughs> stuck the pole in the ground, and he did the little three sixty run or whatever. That was CGI. It wasn't a person, and they blended the two together to try to make it look as real as possible. And these two movies was the catalyst for that technology moving forward in other movies. Oh, absolutely. I mean, uh, since we're talking about uh, Marvel and everything and 
uh, movie technology. I mean, yeah, you know, you had like the X-Men and the Fantastic Four and stuff. But to me, when superhero movies really started stepping up a notch in terms of production as far as special effects goes, Iron Man 1, bringing yeah. the Iron Man suits to life. Mm-hmm. Doesn't matter if it was the janky Mark 1 that he walks out of that cave with, you know, or by the end of the of the uh, movie when he's wearing the sleek yellow, uh, yellow and uh, red and gold armor. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, you look at what they were doing with Endgame, man. Like yeah. the uh, perfect example of Endgame, that scene where all of those sorcerers are opening the portals mm-hmm. and you have all of the other Avengers and the reinforcements coming out. And I'm like, this is where we're at. This is amazing. Yes. It's just like the face tracking and all the other crazy stuff that they do (sighs) now. And, you know, mocap is more sleek and design, you know, streamlined than what it was when they first started with that shit. It's just fucking amazing. (laughs) Another movie that, um, I had to see, and I knew I had to see it because my son was excited about seeing the shit was uh, 1917. The, oh, my God, yeah. Yeah, the movie that they made looked like a long, one long continuous shot, you know? Yes. That, I watched that movie, and I was fatigued. I was fucking tired. <laughs> I was oh, exhausted. absolutely. Because it doesn't give you a break. It's just, it just keeps going. It's just on and on and on. And um, the stuff that has spawned from that movie, because they had to create a uh, um, a stabilization rig for all the filming that they was doing. They had a gimbal that they specially made for this movie because that, I mean, all the shit they was doing, they never really filmed the movie in this type of style. So there's going to be technology to evolve from this movie being made. And then I I think it was filmed in a way to where like it was more uh, suited for home viewing rather than the theater because I don't think the projectors can handle like the resolution or however they filmed it or whatnot. But it's a fucking amazing movie. Oh yeah, and you're right though. Like that's one of the things. Even though I myself am not a person who is in the movie industry, I respect the hell out of the movie industry because you look at where we are today in 2020. Okay, yes, the world is on shutdown, but if you look at the movie technology we have digital cameras, high-end mocap technology, all of these things. And yeah, you still have movies that are built with traditional sets and everything, because that's never going to not be a thing. Even when we get into where we are at at some point with holographic technology, oh boy. there's still going to be a need for, for, for traditional sets. And then you go all the way back to the 1900s or the late 1800s when the movie industry was just starting, and it was, you know, whatever millimeter film cameras and pieces that you're building yourself and all that... I cannot even begin to fathom mm-hmm. how much progress we have made in such a short amount of time. And it really is a relatively short amount of time compared to things like, say, you know, I don't know, you want to go like a little outside of the geeky and like, you know, realms like uh, the way the printed word is. Yeah. You know, I mean, you got thousands and thousands of years ago when they're making papyrus scrolls and writing with, you know, ink that they make themselves from crushed plants or whatever or typing or chiseling stuff out on tablets. And then you got like, you know, the Gutenberg Bible and other and the early printing press and all that stuff and woodcuts. And yes, okay, I'm a I'm a book nerd. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. And then you get where we are now with Kindle, man. I can <laughs> on my on my phone. I got the Kindle app. I got you know, I got, you know, whole books on this thing, you know, tablets. Mm-hmm. You can store hundreds and hundreds of books on a on a on a small little device. 
that is almost roughly less than the size of what a of what a you know tablet was back in like ancient Greece and ancient Rome. Yeah, but I mean that's it, it is convenient. I mean the technology oh, is just for sure propelled us so far into the future. But you know I don't read so much, but when I do read. I love to have the book in my hand because one, yes. yeah, because one for me is just like I know if I'm reading on this thing right here or the tablet or whatever the hell, I'm gonna be like notification. Oh, I'm gonna stop reading. I'm gonna look into this and I'm gonna fall down a rabbit hole of Instagram and all this other bullshit. And I'm like, oh fuck, I was reading a book. I forgot what the hell I was doing. But if I got the book, I mean, it's there. You know, and I'm just like I'm diving in and I'm in the pages. I'm in the creases and the folds. I'm turning the page. I'm like, oh, shit, I'm going to the next page and all kind of other crazy shit, and, you know, because I'm there with the book. I like the smell, the touch and everything. But, you know, that phone should get distracted. Oh, for sure. I mean, I love having Kindle, but I'm like you. I am a man who absolutely has to be holding a book, which is why. You know, right before the, you know, within the last year alone, I have spent more time going to my public library because I was trying to not spend as much time on screens, yeah, like on my phone, for example. And there were times where I'd go to my library and I would sometimes, you know, I'd tell myself, I'm only going to get maybe a couple of books. <laughs> yeah, no. I mean, at one point I walked out with like 12 books. Two of them were graphic novels, I grant you. Yeah. But still, those other ten books were like, you know, like, you know, various sizes and thicknesses mm-hmm. and so, all that stuff. Like and com- it was just like, yes, books. Sound like those conventions is various sizes and thicknesses. <laughs> I <laughs> anyway. Damn but, it, um, damn it, Rob. But anyway, um, when we was uh, talking about the uh, advancements in technology and everything, I mean, I, I feel fortunate to be born in the era that I was born in to where, like, we didn't have shit. And I get to see the shit come to an existence and I get to see the shit evolve, you know. But it, it's kind of damaging to my kids now because they were born in the shit. So, like, when I go back <laughs> and we talking about special effects and graphics and how CGI has changed over the years... I go back and show them a, mo- a movie that I adored from the past. And my nine-year-old is sitting there is like, oh, that CG is bad. <laughs> I was like, come on, dog. Because oh. you used to seeing Endgame and Infinity War and all these crazy-ass movies. Then you go back and see a movie that, you know, at the time, that shit was like what it is now. That's how that was when we first saw it. It's like, oh, shit. This is our Endgame in 96, <laughs> you know. <laughs> but, like, my daughter now sees something like um i'll just use the matrix for example that mr smith fight you know mm-hmm. that shit looks very computer graphic-y right oh, now, yeah. right now in 2020 and she knows that she's like oh that's some bad cgi and <laughs> i was like just watch the movie stop analyzing it god damn it no i i agree with you and and someday you know someday god forbid if i find a find a nice uh a nice woman who uh actually you know wants to become the future mrs winchester which uh i mean hopefully she's a uh she's got a bit of a geeky side so that she can geek about that with her bridesmaids and everything you know but if, if i ever get married and have kids someday 
I want to raise them the exact – and everybody parents differently. You parent differently. Mm-hmm. My parents raised me the way they raised me. Uh, my aunt and uncle raised their kids the way they are. My, uh, my aunt and her wife are raising their boys the way they are. Everybody parents differently. But what I want to do is the exact same thing in this case that my parents did, which was limit the amount of technology that is in their lives. Because when I was growing up, I'll be perfectly honest – I didn't have any video game systems, man. Mm-hmm. The first time I played video games when I was at friends' houses for sleepovers or playdates yeah. or whatever, using the computers at school, and I played computer games at home and everything on like you know an old Macintosh or an old Dell, like a big fat gray box with a dial-up modem, oh, sounded like the, the computer was having a heart attack. But I didn't have a my first game system that I owned was a PlayStation Two, man, back mm-hmm. in like two thousand eight, two thousand nine. So by that point, we were already miles ahead on gaming technology. Yeah. So I mean, I want to do the exact same thing for them to make them appreciate what it means to have a childhood that isn't completely dependent on screens and phones. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm I'm mixed on it because, you know, like I said, I grew up into the stuff and I I, I fully right. I fully embrace the technology and whatnot. Oh, I because, do too. Because I mean, as a child, we we looked toward this future. It was like, man, I wish I I could have a phone in my pocket. So I can didn't have to find a pay phone and do all this other bullshit. Nah, I got this little motherfucker right here. Do every goddamn thing, you know? I mean, we dreamt about this stuff and we get to see some of our dreams come to into fruition. But oh, it's like, beautiful. For my kids or whatever, for me to limit their technology as I sit in their face with my fucking iPhone and my tablet and all kind of stuff. I mean, uh, I feel some type of way about that. But to your point, um, there is a limiting and whatnot because I find it funny. If I'm doing work here or just, you know, just general, you know, nature shit, we have a storm and the Internet go out. These motherfuckers lose their mind. I see my kids more than I see them, (laughs) you know, (laughs) when the Internet on or whatever, because check it out. Nine year old me and my wife downstairs, you know, she upstairs in her room doing kid shit with a tablet and, you know, (laughs) drawing or whatever she do. And um. I was like, hey, I'm because I'm building a studio in my garage right now. So I had to turn off the electricity. So if I had to turn off the electricity in this room, all the Internet in the house is going to go out. So I went outside, turned the break off, came back in. I was like, watch this. All you hear is the door slam, her little footsteps. Doo, doo, doo. Hey, what are you guys up to? And I was like, yeah, yeah, you ain't seeing what the hell we up to. You, the internet out, ain't it? She's like, yeah. <laughs> that That's a telltale sign when I know she up to something or she wants something or something wrong. Because she'll come down there and be like, I was just coming down here to check on you guys. I was like, okay, what's, what's up? <laughs> you trying to get some snacks? Is the internet out? What's going on? <laughs> you know? But she, she, a, she, a, she a sweet kid, though. But, I mean, I can see through her bullshit. well you kind of have to as a parent otherwise uh kids just run circles around you i mean god knows everybody every every parent has to doesn't matter what time and place that their kid being raised in. doesn't matter if it's in 2020 didn't matter if it was in 1992 or 1980 or whatever you gotta have a bullshit detector yeah but with that limiting thing you know i do fully agree with everything that you're saying because like right now i have the internet for them on all their devices on a schedule so when they were in school proper you know the internet would be off until four o'clock in in the afternoon so that Mm -hmm. they get home at like 3 3 30 so they have like 30 minutes to an hour before the internet will even turn on 
you know, barring that they need to do homework and stuff and with the use of a computer, but mostly it's just paperwork or they got books and shit. So mm-hmm. internet come on at four and then damn it go off at nine, then it go off at ten. For nine for the younger one, ten for the older one. And all the devices uh lock out and they can't get in and they just had to lay there and look at the ceiling and shit. <laughs> <laughs> you know. So I mean I limited it in that much and then it became a problem for the oldest one because I'm a gamer. I'm a lifelong gamer. I, you know, I had a Nintendo. I had a freaking Commodore. I had the Atari. I had all kind of crazy shit. I, I've had every Nintendo system that ever came out. I've had every PlayStation. I have every Xbox. You know, I didn't have all the Sega stuff because some of that shit got kind of weird with the Sega CD and all oh, other God, bo- yeah. Sega Saturn and all the other crap. So I didn't have all that. But, you know, I've had just about every iteration of every console that has been put out so for to see my boy be in video games but it's controlling him and it's distracting him from his shit it kills me that i have to take the shit from him because i'm like oh you know i love the games and i want you to play the games but you're fucking up <laughs> so i had to take the games you know so it became a problem so that his shit just poof ninja vanish no, I I understand the same way, man. Uh, God knows my my parents were the exact same way with me, and it was the same. I, and then you know when I was off in college, I had to do it on my own. Mm-hmm. And I want to say this, like, and obviously, like you know, everybody, and you know, this is different for everybody who's ever gone to college or will go to college or whatever. One of the biggest things you learn there. Or even when you're not in college, like, you know, you were in the military, you know, you still had to develop your own schedules. That's the biggest thing. One of the biggest things you learn in life when you're out on your own doing your own thing is how to manage your time well. Mm -hmm. And, okay, perfect example then. So we're talking about gaming and managing time really quickly. Uh, My freshman year of college, you know, first time I'm away from home and uh, my birthday's coming up. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I don't have any way to be there with my family and everything. And I'm a little sad because, you know, I've always celebrated my birthdays with my grandparents, my parents, my brother and everything. And so one day I go to my uh, my post box, my student post box, because you sometimes get announcements and everything yeah. in there. Or, you know, you get a letter from home and I get the slip that says, you've got a package to pick up at the window. And I'm like, oh, what is it? My parents like oh my god they went they win parent of the year for this alone gosh knows everything else they ever did for me they pre-ordered a copy of arkham city batman arkham city as an early birthday present for me to be mailed to me at school because they knew i was going to be spending my first time my first birthday away from home and so i got that game i called them i said thank you so much i had to get to class it was a friday night i didn't have any homework i didn't have anything going on that day I didn't have to be at the student station until uh, Saturday afternoon and everything. So I popped in the disc. I played. I didn't go to bed till 1 o'clock in the morning after I beat Solomon Grundy. Yes. And I was exhausted the next day. And after that, I was like, never again. <laughs> I'm the opposite. It's just like, and, and I can see myself in my son. So it's just like, <laughs> I'll get into a, a rut with games as to where I know I have to cut it off mm-hmm. or I will never get off so it's just like I gotta be at work at 7 so I gotta get up at like 5.45 and all this other bullshit so I'm not getting in the bed till like 2 Oof. and then it, you know, 
through my 16 years of military training, I mean, I have been prepared to survive on minimal hours of sleep. So, <laughs> so I mean, it wouldn't bother me too much, but it was just like one night turned into two nights. And I was like, I'm at work like, ah, oh, Lord Jesus. <laughs> you know, so I was like, I had to cut that shit off. It, it was to a point to where, like, I stopped playing video games for like three months Ooh, because I was just trying to get my sleep shit in order, <laughs> you know. And then um, play Call of Duty for the first time <laughs> since Black Ops 2. And I've been okay. on that bitch ever since. <laughs> yeah, um, uh, my current gaming, um, I won't even call it an addiction, but um, even though there's been so many amazing games that have come out in the last couple of years, um, you know, like uh, We Happy Few, the Yuri Lowenthal Spider-Man game that swept big with the gaming awards and everything. The one that I'm, and, there, and even like right now, you know, you got, you got all this new stuff coming out, even though we're all locked in and everything. I'm still playing my way through Assassin's Creed Odyssey because it's a freaking open world game that with all of these quests. Yeah. And I've, at this point, it's not even about beating the main story. I love the fact that I can literally go through like all of ancient Greece. Man, like two weeks ago, I killed I killed a Cyclops. Not the Cyclops from uh, you know Odysseus yeah. and Homer's Odyssey and everything, but I killed an honest-to-gosh Cyclops. Big eye in the middle of its head, big ugly, ugly thing wearing a loincloth stomping around. And I was like, this is awesome. Yeah, that's a, that's the thing with games for me as well. It's just like I I wind up being a collector rather than a player sometimes because like if you can see around me right now, I'm surrounded by thousands of DVDs. You know, <laughs> and, and it is not because I like just about all these movies. It's just like I'm a completionist to an extent. So if I get freaking um I don't know the first Expendables, there's two more, so I have to buy the other two so I can have a complete set. Or right. Name a shitty franchise. <laughs> I have to um, have, if I like one movie, I have to have the whole set. <laughs> uh, I mean, okay, they're not exactly shitty, but the scary movie franchise. Now I refuse to get those, so I, I don't. Oh, wow. I, I don't have that. <laughs> wow, you are the first movie enthusiast I've met who doesn't have those in their collection. That is, that is hilariously awesome. Yeah, I, I no, nah, because it's like. <laughs> I seen those movies when I was heavy into pirating. Arr, me matey. And um, <laughs> so I never had a physical copy of those. So I've seen Scary Movie 1 and 2. And I, I, I like those. And then they came out with 3, 4, and 5. And I think maybe a 6. And I was like, no, never again. I, I'm not. Because I know myself. If I get either one of these movies, I have to get the whole set. And I don't want that shit in my shit. <laughs> so I just don't get it. No, I, I, I dig what you're laying down, man. Um, since you're talking about being completionist and everything, and uh, since I'm a, I'm a huge comics geek, Somewhat you know, like that, that, that C, yeah, like that, uh, that, that C in comics, it's not just because of the podcast, it's also a reflection of who I am. So one of my favorite DC characters is a guy named Starman. Um, mm -hmm. Quick shout out, Stargirl is going to be dropping at the end of May on the DC streaming app, as well as episodes airing on the CW. And also when HBO Max comes out on May 27th, you're going to be able to get that as well through HBO Max. Well, anyway, also, Stargirl. Also, yep. shout outs to Starman on uh, the NES system for pro wrestling. <laughs> Hell yeah, 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 yeah. But anyway, like Star Girl, Starman is one of my favorite characters from DC because it's a very grounded human comic. You know, like it's about this guy, Jack Knight. His dad was a superhero in the 1940s, and he's very 
ambivalent about becoming a hero and picking up his father's legacy, mm-hmm. but he kind of has to because in the first, in, literally in the first issue, his brother David gets murdered on his first night out as Starman. So he becomes the next Starman to initially avenge his brother's death, and then he realizes he can make a difference. Mm-hmm. They got the omnibuses and the big reprinted trade collections for this thing, but I was like, I don't want those. One, no offense to the to the publisher, the binding was just not that good. Mm-hmm. And two, the original trades had like these really great unique covers and also introductions from different comic book industry pros and celebrities and stuff or people that what they wanted to contribute something to the book. So I wanted to get those to, you know, have them and everything and also because I wanted to be able to read them. Mm-hmm. It took me, I think four to five years maybe a little more to go into comic book shops and conventions and mini shows just to get every single volume so i'm exactly the same way you are i'm a completionist to yeah. a, to an extent dude S- more more with things that i want more than anything or yeah. that i want to have yeah dude i fucking rewatched the uh hbo animated series for spawn most recently oh man i rewatched the whole little what i think it was three seasons and mm-hmm. um, around the time that I rewatched it, um, they just uh, Todd McFarlane just released a, a issue three hundred. Oh yeah, of Spawn, and I was like, dude, I love this. And to to the three characters I gave you earlier, uh, Spawn is in there as well. Um, nice. I, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't dare try to cosplay as that one, but that's my my four characters. Um, and I was like. Dude, I never really got into the comic book because I felt like that HBO series was as close to the comics as it could be. You know, oh, for sure. Especially with um, Todd McFarlane being involved in it and whatnot with his whack-ass intros to the show and <laughs> shit. Hi, I'm Todd McFarlane. And you need to talk about Hellspawn and all kind of other crazy shit. I was like, he, season one of him introducing the episodes was wooden as fuck by time season two came around he found this groove and niche and whatnot he got a little bit better but i don't even think he said too much shit in season three he's just like hit the motherfucking episode let's play (laughs) you know but yeah i and i went back and i was just like um i was looking at the um what they call them you know when they come out with a certain set in one book uh uh yeah, well, I mean, there's a couple of different terms. There's what I call there's what's called a trade paperback, which will usually collect. Um, and here's a, there's a little bit of knowledge for all your fans who are non comic comic geeks, but you have your kids are or your friends are, mm-hmm. or you in this case, my my friend. Yeah. Uh, a trade paperback will usually collect anywhere from six or so issues, maybe mm-hmm. more, depending on the publisher and depending on the story arc. For example, um, you know how the CW did Crisis on Infinite Earths last year and everything. Yeah. Well, yeah. So, like, you know, you can get that in a trade paperback form. That collects the entire story of Crisis on Infinite Earths okay. or whatnot. That's, you know, usually a, a, a like a, a slightly skinny book, you know. Uh, like, I, here, you know what? Actually, you know what? Right here. I got a couple of uh, trade paperbacks right here. I got this one right here, uh, Vigilante City Lights. You know, it's a very thin little book and everything. Very nice book, though. But then over in my bookshelf, I've got what are called hardbacks, which will usually collect more than 10 issues because they're meant to be more from a series. And then you have what are known as omnibuses, which are, one, they can be expensive depending on the not necessarily the character, but how much content is in it. And two, they can be heavy. You could honestly, and I'm not, this is not an advocacy thing, but it's like joking, like you could kill a man with a comic book because some of these hardbacks are so thick 
you could break somebody's neck with it. Yeah, because I um I seen that they was doing that with the uh, Walking Dead. Oh like yeah, episode it was like issue one through ten, then the next one was like episode ten through twenty, and, and mm-hmm. so on and so forth. A compendium, uh, some shit or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, they call them uh, compendiums or uh, hardcover editions or omnibuses or whatever you want to call it. There's a there's fam- a lot of words for that singular. Type I come of book. familiar with that word omnibus from this old YouTube series called Ask a Ninja. Ooh! And um, if you haven't looked that up or heard of that, I I implore you to go look it up. You know, I, well, Matt, fucking Facebook. I tried. I tracked that dude down. The guy that played the character of the ninja, and really? um, the show ended, I think, in like 2014. And I, mm-hmm. I was like, because I we did the Twitter thing or whatever. I was just thinking about it one day, and I put the question out there on Twitter. I was like, how many I remember this? I had a link to one of his videos, and I was just like, wait a minute. And people started talking about it. It's like, oh, I remember that. I remember that. And I was <laughs> like, when was the last video he published? I went to the YouTube page, 2014. Then I went to another thing. And I was just going down the rabbit hole trying to find this guy. And I found his fucking Facebook. And I got in Messenger. And I got a hold to him. I asked him to be on the podcast. He's like, yes, let's do it. And then I kept trying to message the thing back on Facebook. And the messages weren't going through. And I was like, no. What the hell? (laughs) That shit happened to me two times. I had, um, speaking of Blade, I had uh, Ebony Adams. Um... The girl in the basement, the one that kicked Blade ass, the little black girl with the braids. Oh, yeah. I, I had her on the hooks on Facebook to have her on the show because I was like, same thing. I was like, I wonder what the fuck she's doing right now. And I looked it up. Oh, found her on Facebook. Had her on the hooks. She said, yes. Tried to message her back. Facebook wouldn't let the messages go through. I tried from all kinds of ways and it wouldn't happen. I was like, oh, <laughs> dude. But yeah, that's rough. I don't know, but. You know, I'm gonna put it out there. I'm kind of scared about that one, though, um, Ebony Adams, because like somehow through all that, I still wind up being able to be friends with her on Facebook, and then I follow her on Instagram, and she's doing like feet videos. So I don't, wanna, uh, I, I don't want to have that conversation on the show. <laughs> I'm not even touching that, man. I'm not even going near that. Yeah, because I mean, it's like. It's not like a secret either, you know. I mean, no. there's advertisements and shit. I mean, she's promoting it, so it's like I, I'm interested in the girl that did martial arts for most of her um, childhood into adulthood and was able to get into the Blade movie and do. Um, I think it was Cyber Strike, a Ninja Attack, or whatever the fuck her movie that she did and everything. I I did a little bit of research, and mm-hmm. that's an awkward conversation to have. <laughs> Yeah, that is that is definitely probably an awkward conversation that you don't want to touch. Mm-hmm. And then, like, even if I did have on the show, I mean, it's just like out out of my own curiosity, I'd be like, I mean, what what, what would bring up this this feet pick shit, man? You know, I mean, like, she's doing she's kicking motherfuckers in the balls and shit, and oh god, <laughs> all kind of crazy shit. I mean, it's that kind of videos and stuff. Oh. Okay, then. Wow. Uh, so, long way from kicking Blade's ass in the basement. Yeah. I mean, now she's kicking balls in the basement. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I get a clap for that one. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, oh, that's bad. Yeah, it's just like, I don't want to, I don't know. It's just like, 
I'm feeling uncomfortable thinking about having that conversation. So I can only imagine how the person feels to have that set of questions asked to them. But but at the same time, if you're profiting off of this and you're advertising it as a business, I mean, why should there be any shame there? I mean, it's just my exactly. Own, yeah, it's my own awkwardness. It's just was kind of holding me back. <laughs> Dude. I don't even know how I could talk about that. And I, you know, I I got the podcast and everything. I'm like you, I got the, I I try to be as professional as possible, but there are just some topics that you don't go near for the obvious reason of it's a conversation that you yourself don't want to have. Or like you said, it may or may not be awkward and uncomfortable for the person you're talking to. Hmm. Yeah. Out of the history of the show over four years and over 220 something episodes, I've only had to cut one thing out of this show. <laughs> really? Yeah, just like somebody asked me to not put that in there. Actually twice, but the fir- the first time it wasn't nothing really major. It wasn't like a secret or nothing. It was just they wanted to be the first person to announce whatever they told me. So they asked right, I get that, that. that I leave that out. But I said something and somebody's like, hey man, could you cut that out? <laughs> I was like, okay, no problem. I can understand that. Yeah, I I, that makes perfect sense to me, but that's one of the things that I love about doing doing my doing our show and doing here and being here with you and everything. Um, so you were talking about Ebony and everything is the people you meet, mm-hmm. even if you don't get them on the show, the connections you make will last forever. And perfect example of uh, just you know with uh, kind of zoom in on what we're doing over here with the Triple C podcast. Um, Want to ask you yourself because you're a big media consumer. Um, were you ever a fan growing up of uh, the original Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles or yes. Animaniacs and Pinky yes. and the Brain? Yes, Freakazoid, all that shit. Um, um, then you're then you've probably you. I don't know if you found it yet, but we've had on the podcast multiple times uh, Rob Paulson, who oh, was yeah. the voice of uh, Raphael on the original Teenage Mutant yeah, Ninja yeah. Turtles. Uh, he was Yakko on Animaniacs mm-hmm. and uh, Pinky on Pinky and the Brain. Also, Carl Weezer on Jimmy Neutron, both the movie and the show. And he was the, you know, another thing, he was the mask on the mask cartoon. So check this out. Say his, say his name again. Rob Paulson. Isn't that the dude name on uh, Fight Club? I want to say yes, but dude, it's been a long time since I saw Fight Club. So I'd have yeah, to go back and rewatch like, that. He is Robert Paulson or some shit. That he's like, you get a name when you die and shit. You know, <laughs> <laughs> remember that shit? Oh man! I mean, I remember bits and pieces, but it's been a long time since I saw Fight Club. Man, you're get- man. I'm gonna have to go back and rewatch that now. Yeah, I, me too. I haven't seen that in a, a many a moon as well. I still got Blade <laughs> pulled up on my phone. I want to watch it right now. <laughs> <laughs> no, but anyway, uh, like we were saying, like the connections and stuff. I remember the first time that I interviewed Rob back in 2018. I was on a I was at Wizard World Chicago on a press pass for the website pop cult hq which i've written for in my spare time and everything and it's a lot of fun it's opened a lot of doors for me and then we got to re-air his interview on the podcast about a month or so later and then you know you jump into 2019 and i interviewed him again at c2e2 2019 and then he was up in wisconsin for wisconsin comic-con there with uh, his fellow ninja turtle brothers cam clark uh, barry gordon and townsend coleman and I went up there to say hi to him because at that point, you know, I'd interviewed him enough that he was my friend. Mm-hmm. And I gave him the very first um, T-shirt with the new logo and everything as a gift, as a thank you for not only being a friend, but for just being a fantastic guest. You jump ahead 
to October of 2019 when Rob's memoir, Voice Lessons, was coming out. Mm -hmm. And we got to have him on the show. It was a lovely phone interview, 30 minutes, just with the sweetest man in the whole dang world talking about his life and his battle with throat cancer and the things Mm -hmm. that he learned about dealing with what, you know, a disease that literally could have taken his career. Yeah. Yes. Literally taken his career and like everything he learned over the years. And, you know, to this day, like now here in 2020, I still message him on Twitter and everything. And just to say hi to him, I can count him as a friend. And I don't even know what me from seven or eight years ago would have been like if I went back in time and told that me, Hey, you're going to do a podcast and you're going to be on first name friendly terms with one of the voice actors who has had a profound impact on our life, not per- professionally, let alone personally. Mm-hmm. I would have looked around for the hidden cameras. <laughs> you know, like, or if you could, if you, if you could have, if you, Rob, could have gone back in time and told me from that long ago, like, hey, man, I'm, I'm, I'm doing a show and you're going to be on and everything. We're going to be talking about all this great stuff. And I would have been like, who the hell are you? Did my brother set this up? <laughs> you know, like our lives move in so many different ways. Yeah. And the power of podcasts is a beautiful thing because look at us, man. I bear, I, I've only known you for a little while. I feel like I know you my whole dang life. I know. I am that type of man. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, man, it's just um, we have a kinship. We have a bond through cinema and um, just these characters that you know, all these great people have, you know, brought into our lives and whatnot. And we, we share that kinship and whatnot. So, I mean, absolutely. You, you could be punching, you can be punching kittens in your spare time, but I mean, you like spawn and all the other stuff. So I guess you cool with me. I don't like cats anyway, except for Daryl. <laughs> I'm not punching kittens. I do like cats. Uh, I can't, I can't have one though. Cause my dad's allergic, so I can't have a see, cat, we, but see, I do love cats. And see, that, that's another layer to why I gave the kid, the cat doll, because she allergic to cats too. And she liked cats. So I had to give her the plushy cat. <laughs> it, it, it makes perfect sense in the long run. Now you want to talk about dogs. I'm a dog person. Oh boy. Hell yeah. Get clappy hands on the dogs. Okay. I will uh, send you it later through uh, through Twitter and everything. I'll uh, slide into your DMs with this. Uh, my, when I was when I was a uh, you know l- when I was a little Winchester growing up, I had a golden retriever name of Sherlock, and this is long before Benedict Cumberbatch and the BBC show were on the air. But he was the bestest boy in the whole dang world, and I love that dog with all my heart. Oh man! I remember the day we picked him out. Uh, day it. after Valentine's Day, when he was literally just a little peanut, and out of all of his brothers, and out of we we wanted a boy dog, you know, because it was me and my little brother, mm-hmm. so we knew we didn't want a girl dog. But out of all of his brothers, he was the one who didn't wriggle and squirm in our hands and want to try to get back to mommy. Mm-hmm. So we knew that's our dog. Goddamn doggo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah right damn doggos you gotta love the doggos hell yeah I, 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 goddamn I still wanna yeah. I, uh, I still wanna do the thing that uh, Peter Griffin did on Family Guy 30 puppies just put me in a room with 30 puppies let them run all over me and lick their and lick their little tongues all over my face oh man I would enjoy that too but I can't let them lick the face too much cause then my wife won't wanna kiss me <laughs> hey let that dog lick all in your face <laughs> 
it's, it's, it's a doggo. Let the doggo do what the doggo do. <laughs> yeah, especially, are you going to say no to 30 adorable little puppies? What kind of monster is a person? Hell no. Nah. But, sir, we've had a great time. I've enjoyed your company and whatnot, but this is where we put a pin in it, man. Mm. Um, go ahead and let everybody know where they can find you and your cohorts on social media. All right, then. Well, you can find us on Twitter at the Triple C Podcast. You can find us on Instagram and Facebook as well. And wherever you may roam and call podcast listening your home, we are on the following, just to rattle a few off the top of my head. Mm-hmm. iTunes, Spotify, mm-hmm. Stitcher, mm-hmm. Google Podcasts, mm-hmm. and SoundCloud. What about Pandora? And, uh, we're working on that. Yeah. That one, we haven't gotten there yet, but you know, baby steps and everything, baby steps. Mm-hmm. We, we drop a new episode every Monday at 7 a.m. Central Time since we are Chicago-based podcast. So mm-hmm. if you're up like you are in the wee hours of the morning and everything, and you're subscribed to us, well... Every Monday, brand new episode, 7 a.m. For sure. And then that was another thing that um, I wanted to uh, applaud you on and whatnot. I, from listening to that first episode and the uh, analysis on um, Ant-Man and Wasp and um, just li- listening to a little bit of um, the current episode. It was a little more banter-based because there's four of y'all in there and y'all just like talking about what you love and shit. A very mm-hmm. professional voice. I know you went to school for broadcasting and everything and whatnot, but it's like I don't hear any ums, uhs. Um, you know, I don't hear too many pet words or anything like that. So you're doing top notch there, player. Hey, much love, man. I appreciate that. And, uh, it also helps that I have a really great team behind me as well. My brother, Zach, who, if you, if you're the kind of person who is a very sassy, cynical individual and you love to hear sassy, cynical (laughs) people as well, talk about stuff. My brother is somebody who will have you rolling in the aisles. And if you also like to hear balanced opinions about things, Mari and Kevin and myself are, do the same thing as well. And we, we just have fun doing this, man, honestly. It doesn't even feel like a thing where we like, unless we're going to a convention, then it's like, you know, put your game face on, uh, you know, lace up them boots and get ready to roll out because that's a different situation. But every week, we just get together. We have fun. Now, we do research. You know, we spend the week up until we're recording, looking and what's going on in the news and everything. Mm-hmm. But we have fun, and like you said, we're more ba- we're more banter based now than we were when we started in 2018. Mm-hmm. Natural progression of the show, man. Yep. Natural progression. But yeah, man. Uh, once again, thank you for coming on over, and um, maybe one day in the future, you know, we, we, I slide in there ever so gently, and um, I, I rub all the seas on my face and whatnot. <laughs> <laughs> man you are more than welcome to come hang out with us in the podcast i absolutely welcome you into the show brother hell yeah maybe you can talk about uh Eminem adams feet pics <laughs> i mean we can i don't know how it'll I correlate don't know where to, that's gonna go but we sure as hell can well, I mean, it'll correlate into a blade conversation we could talk about the trilogy one day and then we could just that can be like a side note like how i brought up the ll cool j being blade <laughs> <laughs> It works for me, man. It works for me. There you go. But um, as it is for every guest of the Random Rounds with Rob, the door is always open for you to come back to promote your next big thing. You know, keep us updated and or just to come shoot the shit. Hey, I'm all for that, man. I'm all for that. Yeah. And that was the homie Josh Winchester, uh, a last name of, of a very popular TV show that I rather enjoy. So, you know, I hope you enjoyed the episode. It was one of the ones 
that was um way back in the archive of a three R show. Um, I I recorded that months ago, or I don't even think it was months ago, maybe weeks ago. And you can see and hear us on the freaking um YouTube page. So go over to YouTube, search for three R show, and you can see and hear this interview. So I mean, it it's been out for a while. I'm just getting to it on the podcast. Because a lot of things have been in disarray. You know, I had to build this lovely room that you see behind me partially and whatnot. And um, there's just a whole bunch of other things that got in the way. Um, I had episodes before that one as well that I had in uh, archives that I needed to get out. And just um, some came up to where I needed to get those out before others. You know how the game go when you stack episodes and everything so that's why whenever i do get video episodes i try to put those videos out right away so you can see and hear those at your leisure before the audio podcast comes out but it was a great conversation with this dude i mean if you haven't heard the podcast go ahead and check it out it's been some time since i've said the title so i'm gonna still call it the triple c podcast because <laughs> i keep getting the ones in um in the freaking in the wrong spot in the wrong order and everything yeah, I know is uh was comics culture and cosplay I don't know if those three C's are in the correct order but those three C's are in the title for the three C the triple C show so there it is hallelujah happy birthday um if you are interested in Ebony Adams feet you can find her on Instagram doing foot pick videos <laughs> and everything you know I tried to get her on the show like a while back and everything and she was like on board for it but it was one of those rare instances that I get a guest to sign up to be on the show and then damn cause look check it out this this how it happened I'm gonna get look so Facebook Messenger is the devil amongst other Facebook applications but in particular I had two guests Ebony being one of them and freaking the second one, for those of you old heads on the internet, there was a, a web show called, damn, what was it? I Am Ninja. Ask a Ninja. Yeah, Ask a Ninja. So I got the dude who was the ninja. I got on Facebook Messenger for both of these people. And I was like, yo, would you be on my show? Pretty please. And they was both like, yes. And then I sent the message and the information on Facebook Messenger. And then if you are familiar with Facebook Messenger, you get those little bubble circle check mark things or whatever. You know, if it's not a full circle in the check mark, that means the message didn't go through. So every time I would send a message, that's what would happen. It would just be a, a empty circle. So none of the data was sent to the other person and everything like that. And, you know, they didn't respond back. So I could find another avenue to you know correspond with them and everything so both of those interviews fell through later on you know you would come out come to find that uh you know she started doing feet pick videos and me personally i don't give a shit what you do to make money i mean it, you do what you do but i felt awkward because you know i wanted to talk about a film career her martial arts background and everything and this is something that she do now. And I don't want to be like, you know, I'm trying to embarrass the person or something like, you know, it was just, I didn't feel good about it. So I didn't pursue it anymore. 
um, the Ask a Ninja guy, I haven't even tried again after that because it was so fucking frustrating. So I, I tried to stay away from Facebook Messenger when I'm trying to book potential uh, guests for the show. So fuck that Facebook Messenger shit. You know, you can talk to me you know, if you got some personal questions or whatever. Or are you trying to send me some shit? Whatever. We can, we can use it for that. But for me trying to book interviews and shit via Facebook Messenger, fuck that couch. Um, anyway, I, I, I've rambled enough. I mean... I'm trying out this new, well, it's not a new camera, it's an old camera, but I'm just, you know, seeing how it is connected to the computer and working with the software and whatnot. It looks good on my little preview screen up here, but it looks some type of way here on my computer monitor or whatnot. But hey, man, this is what we're doing. We're we learning, baby. We're learning new things. It's trial and error. I see because I'm trying so very hard to stare into the lens so I can make eye contact with you, the audience, but I keep peeking at the screen over here to the uh, right and the one down here see because like right now i'm looking down at the screen so it looks like i'm i'm looking down instead of up at you into your eyes and everything like that <laughs> so yeah I i'm trying to be a little more than just a podcaster i don't know what the accent that is but this is the one that i'm using it almost sounds like a drunken medea speaking of drinking i got a beverage right here It says it has cranberries, blackberries, apples, and crack. It says it right there on the can. I got some focus issues or whatever. Let's see if I can use the autofocus to help me out. Uh oh. So I done fucked up my re <laughs> my video recording now. So that's fun. Uh, yeah, whatever. I, I'm trying to be too high tech. Tried to turn on the auto balance and everything. And then my battery is low. I got so much going on. But yeah, so whenever you, this video is uh, <laughs> put on whatever device is on, you know, YouTube, Instagram or wherever I decide to post this shit. Uh, you're going to just get an abrupt cutoff and everything. So, yeah. As I said, learning processes, baby. Got to charge them batteries. But anyway, I'm going to go ahead and get on out of here. I'm going to watch the, the Umbrella Academy. Uh, season two has dropped, and I've never seen season one. So this is a great opportunity to binge. So with that being said, I'm going to go ahead and ride out. But you can find me. On social media, on Twitter at 3R Show, Instagram at the 3R Show. Ouch, hit my elbow at 3R Show. <laughs> um, what else? Um, YouTube, like I said, man, I got these interviews event at advance in advance on YouTube and, um, I got the Wrestling This Trash episodes that I'm starting to record more frequently on YouTube and everything. So check those things out. And you can go to randomrob.com and you can find many different ways to help support the show. One of these ways is by buying merchandise. You can buy hats, t-shirts, coffee mugs, stickers, pins, and all kinds of things of that nature. You can also use my Amazon links and um, purchase 
gear to donate to the show from my Amazon wish list. If you're not uh, familiar with the, how the Amazon links work, um, you click on my Amazon link. It'll take you to the Amazon website. You bookmark that website. So now every time you shop on Amazon.com, I get a purchase uh, I mean, I don't get a purchase. <laughs> you purchase the shit, but I get a kickback for every time you use my link to shop on Amazon. You do not pay anything extra for this, but all you're doing is setting my affiliated Amazon link to your web browser. And anytime you shop on Amazon, I get a little bit of kickback from Amazon. You don't pay shit. I get that corporate money, that Jeff Bezos money. And everything. He don't need that shit. He need to give me some more than what he given me already. And um, also, you can go to Patreon. It's only one tier, a dollar. You know, what, however the content comes to me, that's how I put it out. And, you know, one dollar a month is not asking much at all. That's twelve dollars a year. If you buy a, a T-shirt for eighteen dollars, that's over a year worth of support for your show, for this show. I mean, it is your show because I do it for you. So, um, man, this this crack in this can is a kind of the name of it is Crackberry. So, yeah. But on the back, it has an asterisk. It's not it doesn't have actually have crack in it, but it's fucking me up like I got crack, baby. (laughs) Anyway, what I was saying. Oh, Patreon. Yeah. Support that shit if you like. You get what you get. I appreciate the support. A dollar a month or merchandise. Buy the merchandise. I'd rather you buy the merchandise. If you just want to give me crack. Goddamn, I'm talking about crack. <laughs> oh, man, what did they put in here? They really put crack in here. But um, if you want to just support one time monetarily, my links for Cash App and PayPal are on the website, randomrob.com. Um, but. The most important way that you can help support this podcast and any other podcast that you listen to is by writing reviews on whatever social on whatever uh, podcasting platform that you listen on. If they have a way for you to rate the show and write a review for the show, write those reviews. Those help every podcast that you listen to tremendously. Also, you can like, subscribe, uh, freaking retweet, you know, tell a friend to tell a friend. And make them motherfuckers listen. That's the best and free way that you can help support. But anyway, that being said, I'm going to drink the rest of my crack in the can. And (laughs) I'm going to ride on out of here. I appreciate you all. I love you all. And I'll see you next time.